stretch out Think your skin can bring you so much pain Now I hear you say You got the best of both ways Won't you come and take a walk in my shoes And tell me if you take my place Under the Welcome to episode 219 of the Inside Running Podcast. Your listeners are in for a real treat as we are joined by one of the best middle distance runners in the world. Before we introduce him, welcome to my COVID positive mate down there in Anglesey, Julian the Big Moose Spence. How are you, mate? Um, I've been better, to be honest, but I can't complain too much because I'm not in hospital. Yeah, so you're in isolation for a week now? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm living in the bungalow at the back of the house here like where we use it it's like a storage container but it's it's it hasn't had a good clean for a while so <laughs> there's a lot of spiders there's like lizards i reckon it's dusty it's yeah so you'll, catch, real, you'll catch something else while you're down there it's there's just spider webs like in the middle of the bed and yeah i'm, I'm not enjoying it much i've been i've become a little bit accustomed to like the uh like the king, the luxury king bed that that we got a couple of years ago. Well, I reckon I'm about three days behind you because I got real sick last night and went and had a COVID test this morning. Um, so I'm isolating until I get that test result back as well, which um, any other week I reckon both of us would say, nah, let's just can the show and move it back a day or two. But we have a superstar of the sport joining us tonight, so it was worth getting off our deathbed for it. Definitely can't. Can't leave this one to hang. Should we introduce him? Go for it. All right. So this week's guest finished seventh at the recent Tokyo Olympics and is the only Australian to have broken 330 for the 1500 metres and 730 for the 3000 metres. He also holds the Australian mile record and was recently judged to be the third best 1500 metre runner in the world for 2021 by both Athletics Weekly and Track and Field News. It's an honour to welcome back to the Inside Running Podcast, Stewie McSwain. Hey boys, thanks for having me on. No, thank you so much. And before we get too far into the show, just firstly, congratulations on a great 2021. Like I know so many track and field fans, not just Australians, but you know worldwide enjoyed watching your race last year. Um, just because you were like competitive in every race you did, but also the way you ran, you know, you pushed the pace and left everything out there. So congratulations. And were you happy with the, the year as a whole? Yeah, appreciate it boys um obviously um i felt the support when i was over there from the back back in australia so it's always nice to have the people throwing your messages or whatever of support you definitely um feel it when you're away um away for home for so long but yeah obviously it was a pretty amazing year it was my first olympics so um yeah it, i felt like i pieced it together pretty well obviously the the competition on the world stage at the moment is crazy good so i was just kind of going in every race trying to throw my hat in the ring and um yeah just enjoy the process out there as well yeah and so where are you at the moment? Are you Falls, Melbourne, Tassie? Uh, so I've been in Tassie over Christmas. So I got back to King Island for, uh, I think, four days. So that was nice getting back home because I hadn't been back since previous Christmas. Um, so, yeah, it'd been, been a good 12 months. Um, and then, yeah, I was down in Tassie for the, the carnival races down there. So I did a couple of handicap races, which are always fun. Um, and then I've just been in Melbourne the past week. Um, and I'll likely head up to Falls um, later on this week. Yeah. So what I thought we'd do, because we don't get you on uh, that often, um, I thought we'd do a bit of Q&A initially, 
and then go through the normal segments of the show and then do a little bit more Q&A towards the end, if that's okay? Yeah, sounds good to me, boys. All right. Moose, do you want to have first crack? Yeah, I love first crack at Stewie. <laughs> um, Stewie, I just want to talk a little about your racing tactics. Um, I know you've been through this a fair bit before, but I was wondering if you if you modelled your running on anybody, like the way that you run your races, has there been somebody in the past that you've followed or that you sort of looked up to where you thought, that's how I want to be as an athlete? Um, not particularly, but I think uh, the big approach comes from, I remember obviously getting to meet Kipchoge a couple of times and he always talks about um, that he's solely gone into races, just focusing on, him, on himself um, and trying to run the best he can. Um, and not really worried about the external factors or whatever. So um, obviously he's in a hundred times different level to me, but I think kind of that mantra is something that I probably took on a little bit more this year. Um, kind of just tried to run races I thought was best for me. And then kind of, I think it's probably an easy approach as well because you, you go out, give it 110%. If you, if you get beat, congrats to the guys that beat you. I think it makes it a pretty simple approach and kind of, um, you're walking off the track every time knowing that you gave it 110% and kind of ran to your strengths as well. So, um, yeah, I was lucky enough. I was able to pull off a few few good races from the front this year. Um, but, yeah, as as any athlete, I've still got a lot of room for improvement. So hopefully I can kind of step it up for this upcoming season. Yeah, well, I reckon the, the boys on the start line, when they see you there lined up, they know that it ain't going to be a sit-and-kick race. <laughs> and they're there to do some hard work. There's no no cheap wins. Yeah, I think obviously that trying to make it fast kind of um, supports my strengths. So, um, yeah, I like giving it a good crack. I know I know it kind of ma- hopefully makes the race a little bit more interesting for people watching at home um, and in the crowd as well. So, um, yeah, you, obviously we're in the sport to do our best. We're trying to make it fun as well. So, um, yeah, I, I, I like giving it a crack. And if I can pull it off occasionally, it's um, always good as well. So, Stewie, based on last year's results, I want you to choose two races, one where you felt absolutely amazing, was happy with the result, and if that was like the Olympics that day, you you know would have been confident of meddling. So that's one race, and the other one is a race that you were probably most disappointed with, if there was any. Yeah, I probably think um, probably the race that I probably thought I executed the best um, – was maybe I didn't actually win the race, so it was actually um, the second gates head. So I was second in seven twenty eight over three thousand meters, um, but I kind of just ran, went to the front, ran my own race, um, and felt like I just had an extra gear every lap. I felt like I was picking it up and I was able to close well. Unfortunately, um, a Spanish guy, Mohammed Katir, came around me. I think with two fifty to go, and I just couldn't hold him out um, and got beaten on the day. But um, I kind of stepped off the track thinking there wasn't much else I could do that day. I felt like I, I ran possibly one of the best races I ever had that day um, and obviously ran 728 but wasn't good enough for the win but that was one where I kind of walked up the track thinking um, I kind of yeah executed a good race that day so that's probably the one I was almost most proud about um, but on the other hand I think the, the most disappointing race for me last year was uh, Florence Diamond League so it was a 5k so um, I just had a good result in Doha I think I was second in the 1500 there um, felt like I was slowly building momentum throughout the season. Um, and then obviously this 5K was going to be set up for 12, sub 12.50, hopefully. Um, it was a loaded field. Um, I think, yeah, everyone in the field was an amazingly good athlete. So I was confident I could run, hopefully, a massive PB under 13 minutes, maybe even towards 12.50 if everything went well. I think training had indicated I was in pretty good shape. So 
Um, but yeah, that day, unfortunately, I think I went through in 7.44, so well under 30-minute pace. But yeah, with five laps to go, I was done and dusted and running backwards, um, which is never nice, um, that far out especially. Um, yeah, and I just, it was one of those days I just didn't have another gear, and I kind of, yeah, could, I was fighting as hard as I could, but I, physically I just didn't have it. So um, yeah, I think I still ran maybe 13.20 that day, so it, it wasn't an absolute shocker, but I think that was probably the most disappointing race of the season, I think, um, yeah. Obviously, fit, fitness-wise, it indicated I was in better better shape than what I ran. Um, and competition-wise, I think I was maybe 10th in that race as well, or maybe even the 11th, 12th. So um, that was disappointing, not not being competitive with the top guys in that race as well. So that was probably, probably the lowest race that I had all the season. Good answers. Moose, you um, another one? Yeah, I do. I do. So, um, Stewie, what do you think is going to be the, the game-changer for you going forward this year like how are you going to progress you've you've sort of reached the pinnacle that uh, well in in from our perspective like you've gone so far um above where anyone else has really gone before in terms of the how you how you're competing in these races and um and the times you're putting up like what what's left where where do you find room for improvement there um yeah i think like any athlete uh, when you get to a certain level it's like if you're not getting better, you, you quickly get thrown out the back. You'll get past. So, um, yeah, I think for me, I've got to get um, get better at just kind of putting training together again, um, trying to make sure I'm not getting injured, sick, trying to put layer on layer from my previous season. I think mentally and probably experience-wise, I feel like I've picked up a lot of lessons, um, especially going to a major championship like Tokyo, my first Olympics. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping the experience I gained will help me for next season. But I think also... There's still little things that I think I can tinker, get better. Um, I kind of am an athlete that trains a little bit different to a lot of other people. Um, so me and Nick, um, my coach, Nick Badeau, will have to kind of sit out and work out um, what, what we think we can improve on for this season. Um, and I think unless you're, um, you're Elliot Kipchoge or someone like that, everyone still has a hell of a lot of things they can improve on. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll need to figure out what I need to improve on and try and get that 10 15% better if I want to try and – Stay near the, the top guys in the world and um, keep trying to compete with them. So you haven't, you haven't had that review with Nick yet, like going into this next season? Yeah, we, we have. Um, obviously, coming off Tokyo, um, I think any championship you're going in, um, ho- hoping you win. Um, and then if you don't win, you kind of got to work out what went wrong, how how, how you how you didn't succeed or win as you went in. Um, you kind of go in with lofty goals. But I think for me, the... The big thing is kind of working out the programming this year. Obviously, with the double championship, Commonwealth Games and World Champs, I'll have to work out what the plan's going to be um, for that. And I think, yeah, other than that, a lot of it's going to be how I'm going to structure the season, when I'm going to fit in training camps. Because I, I think I, yeah, I think I ran 17 times overseas this year, so um, it was a pretty pretty busy season. So I'll kind of work need to work out um, structure-wise how I'm going to plan the season. I think if I can kind of work out that better, I think there's kind of hopefully will um, hold me better prepared for the championships as well. When you say you train different to other people, what does that what does that actually mean? Um, yeah, I think for me, a lot of it's kind of individualized. Like I, I can't I can't do easy days as hard as a lot of the other guys. I'm probably not quite as strong. Um, I think at this point, I've got a, definitely got a lot better kind of listening to my body and understanding when I need to go hard, when I need to relax as well. Um, Why you find like a lot of guys can just keep punching out hard days. I've really got to take those easy days easier. Um, I can't handle doing a lot of high intensity stuff. I don't really like my body doesn't really adapt well to it either. So um, I've got to do more of the, the aerobic type training rather than a, probably a lot of the 815 guys or yeah, even 3K, 5K guys now are 
doing a lot more speed stuff as well. But unfortunately, my body type, I'm not able to handle that that high intensity stuff as well. So um, I've kind of got to take it from a ta- try and improve in the event, um, taking it on a different way. Just you, what? Oh, sorry. So no, what, you, yeah. yeah. What happens when you do do too much of that? Do you get do you get niggles or do you get sick? Do you get tired? Yeah, I think it's a combination. Um, obviously, I, I feel like if I'm overtraining, obviously, like any athlete, you get you get a bit run down and tired as well. But for me, I think I've had in the past, I've had problems with uh, a little bit of hamstring tendonitis and stuff when I do too much speed work. So it's kind of um, where we've worked in the past where I'm trying to be consistent. Um, and obviously, there's a few things. If I'm doing too too much heavy weight stuff in the gym or I'm doing too much high-intensity running stuff, I think that's when I kind of my body can't handle it um, physically. Um, and I've... I think I also probably get run down a little bit and that puts me in kind of that danger zone where um, I think in our seasons you're trying to piece consistent weeks together and then if, if you get an injury or whatever, you, you miss a couple of weeks, you can't, you're training not properly for a few weeks and I think that's where you take a step backwards. So we're trying to, um, yeah, trying to push the limits while also navigating, trying to miss, missing time off with injury or overdoing in training as well. Talking about yeah. changing your schedule for the upcoming year, is that something that you look back on sort of in the lead up to the Olympics and something that you would have changed with the, with the scheduling, like whether you like were doing too many races or like just looking back at the Olympics, what, what sort of things would have you changed? Um, yeah, I think scheduling was a bit easier last year just because we had one championship rather than two. But I think, yeah, ultimately I feel like we definitely got it pretty right with the scheduling. I feel like I went that... 728 3k gates had um no sorry monica ran 329 um for fourth and then ran that 728 so i couldn't have asked for two better races leading into tokyo um obviously confidence was high from them as well so i think we definitely got the preparation right i felt like i was kind of peaking in that middle phase of the season when the olympics were on so um yeah i think we'll take a lot of things we did this year into the um the championships next year but i think the big thing is kind of navigating the the two peaking loads because obviously mm. we only have a couple of weeks between welds and commonwealth games so i think that's going to be where we're planning whether we um what we do with pre-races before the championships or whatever i think i'll um yeah i'll probably discuss it with nick and obviously he's got a lot of experience as well so he'll have a good idea what he thinks we need to improve on that way and um kind of work out what we need to do to hopefully give us a good chance of doing really well in those championships mm. um what's the plan for those championships will you try and double up 15 and 5 at any of them um, I, I honestly, it's, a, it's it's still a long way out now, so I kind of, um, I would love to, if it's possible, to do the double. I haven't even really looked at the, the programming too much. I'm kind of, I'm kind of one of the guys that will, um, just focus on training for a few months. We're still a long way away from the, 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 the start of the European season as well. So, um, yeah, I don't really want to get too, too caught up in what I'm focusing on. Just trying to piece days of training, weeks of training together. And then once we get towards the championship, we'll work out, um, if I'm lucky enough, to get picked in a couple of events, um, I think it will definitely become an option. So um, we'll wait and see. Obviously, that we still got to qualify, um, and obviously you got to get to the championship in good shape if you want to try and do two events. So um, yeah, I'll kind of just have to wait and see till we get a little bit closer to kind of decide decide what the plan is on that front. Cool. Um, got, any, got any more moves, or do we move on? Uh, I got two more. All right. Two more. Um, Fernie Creek Long Run seems to have sort of. Uh, falling out of favour a bit with your group, is that is that correct? You reckon? Not not as many trips out to Fernie, and is there a reason why that that's sort of happening? Um, no, I still think a lot of people love running out there. It is a great place to run, but um, I think that the big thing is just the travel. Um, I think it's like a lot of us will probably drive in 60 to seventy minutes out there. Um, you run for ninety 
some guys might run over two hours. Yeah. You're driving 70 minutes home in the car, um, and it's a pretty big day, especially if we've had a had a hill session or whatever on Saturday. So I think that that's probably makes it a little bit difficult. But, yeah, um, yeah I'm not sure with the timing. I think um, it's kind of everyone's just had stuff on as well. Maybe they they don't want to go. But I think no one's out of favour with it. People people love running out there. It's an awesome place, especially in summer when, it, when kind of the trails are in good nick. So um, I assume a lot of the boys will start start heading out there very very soon. Yeah. Yeah. All right. One more. Who's the guy who says, I remember when I beat Stewie the most, who says that the most? Cause everyone says it about you because you, you're a late bloomer and someone knocked you off when you were a junior or something. Um, who's the person that says that the most? Oh, there's a fair few. Um, I know there are. I know. Uh, I think I think it's a lot of the boys who I still run with a fair bit. Guys like Ryan Geard, who used to actually torch me when we were in juniors, um, or even uh, who else? Maybe a guy called Riley Shaw, who I raced a lot during juniors as well. They're they're the guys to remind you that they still had the measure on you. They've still got you on the head-to-head racing counts as well. So yeah, um, yeah they'll they'll if if they can fit it in the conversation, they'll let it come up. That's for sure. Well, I can tell you that Skillsy and Watto definitely bring it up every Sunday morning. There we go. No surprises with Skillsy. I think um, I don't think I have actually beat him. So um, yeah, as long as we don't race again, I think he'll um, he'll have a pretty positive head to head. Don't have to worry about him racing again, mate. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> cool. I'm, I've got a few more questions, but we can save them for later on in the show. Um, weekly recaps. I'm super excited about this segment this week because there's not a lot that's documented. Like, yeah, we know MTC. You know. It's pretty standard their sort of training weeks, but I don't think we've really ever heard what Stewie does day to day in one week. So, are you able to take us through what you did for training last week? So, from Monday the third of January to Sunday the ninth of Jan. Yeah, so this is kind of it's, it's probably a little bit different week. I think um, I wasn't like I was just coming back off the carnival, so I was kind of not training with the group uh, the previous week. I think everyone's kind of. A lot of guys had headed to, headed to Falls Creek or um, had kind of gone back home for New Year's or Christmas or whatever. So, um, yeah, basically on the, the Monday, I had a 60-minute run in the morning, just nice and easy, I think. Uh, obviously, I just train with a stopwatch, so I actually run on time. I don't really monitor any um, distance or anything. I kind of just have, have a couple of loops that I'll do for home. So I just did, yeah, 16K, I think. Uh, sorry, 60 minutes, which is probably about 13 or 14K. What sort of stopwatch you're rolling? Like <laughs> that, is so, that is so good, isn't it? It's like you've got the Ingebrigtsens over there with all the bells and the whistles and the lactate pros and here's Stewie just with an old school stopwatch. It's awesome. Just, yeah, I think it's just the plain, the plain Timex. So, yeah, I pretty much do most of my runs. I won't use GPS. I'll just um, just use the, the old-fashioned stopwatch, just kind of keep it nice and simple, which is good. Um, Brilliant. And then, yeah, Monday I've headed out for 30-minute run, so it's probably around 7K. Um, Tuesday... I had eight by one k in the morning, um, off one minute recovery. So I think I would have been running around two fifty to two fifty five pace um, for those reps. So kind of in that that between hard effort and threshold range. Um, so obviously breathing is you're still breathing a fair bit, but you feel like you get to halfway the four k four k uh, four reps in six reps in where you feel like you still have a lot to give, and you kind of finish that session feeling um, like. You, you've worked hard, but not not crazy hard, which is kind of um, nice, especially coming off New Year's. Um, and then that Arvo, uh, another 30 minutes, so approximately 7K um, just from home. 
Wednesday, I ran at 75 minutes in the morning um, at probably around that 4.25, four, uh, sorry, probably 4.15 to 4.30 kilometre pace range. So nothing too crazy, nice nice and comfy coming off the session day. Um, Thursday, I did a 30-minute threshold. So that's kind of, yeah, just, just running at a decent pace, but nothing too hard. I think with the threshold, I kind of try and think about a pace I could run for 20K. Um, so kind of just getting through that, um, a solid workout, nothing, nothing too crazy. So, um, and then, yeah. so you got no heart rate or anything, um, no GPS, how, you just don't, how do you track that? Like in terms of your fitness? Um, yeah. So I did, um, originally I did use a heart rate. So I got all my test results and kind of worked out a good understanding of where I feel like my, my level is around heart rate. So now it's kind of, I have a good idea of like the pace, the pace and effort I'm going. Um, obviously with threshold, I don't, I probably don't want to know the pace I'm going too much because there's a lot of factors that come into it. I think that, because we do a lot of it on grass as well. So it's like, if the grass is wet, it's always going to be, be a bit slower. If it's windy, it's going to be a bit slower. So um, yeah, I don't worry too much about comparing that. I'll kind of just, yeah, do the 30 minutes that the effort I feel um, is a good solid workout. Um, I feel like I could definitely pick it up throughout if need be. Um, but yeah, always making sure I kind of, finish and i feel like i could keep running for yeah another 20 or 30 minutes if um if necessary so um yeah i think it's i'm lucky enough i've done it i've done threshold running for a fair few years so i feel like i have a decent understanding of the intensity i'm going and i kind of yeah have a decent feel when i'm going a bit hard and i kind of can pull it back a little bit as well so um a lot of that is um especially on thursdays when we do it is a lot on feel for me um why a lot of other guys will have the heart rate monitors um and kind of they'll know their exact data or whatever as well so um, I think that just shows it's the, the different athletes have kind of different um, different ways of tackling session days. Um, and obviously what I do, I feel like it works for me, but other guys, they need the data. Um, otherwise, they definitely might go too hard or even some guys might go under if, um, if, they're, if they're good at taking training easy as well. So um, they probably need the, need the data and the, um, the GPS watches to kind of indicate that as well. And is there is there anyone keeping up with you in these workouts, like in the 1K, is he solo and the, the thresholds? Um, so this week I was solo, but in previous weeks, um, yeah, I think in the, I'm lucky in the, the Melbourne track club, we've got so many different guys with so many different skill sets. I think, um, we've got the marathon boys who are obviously pretty strong over the threshold work. So it's good running with them. And then obviously got some speed guys as well. Geordie Williams, uh, Ryan Gregson. Uh, so, so it's good, um, kind of running with those guys as well. Cause they have a, um, obviously good for those quicker quicker type sessions so luckily um most sessions i'll have someone to run with or um try and keep up with which is kind of nice as well yeah nice. it's refreshing to hear though moose isn't it guy that's run like sub you know 60 second laps for for 3k so like 230 per kilometer pace is just rolling k reps in like 255 yes how many how many 15 minute guys are doing eight by k in 255 yeah exactly yeah Surely this is a good lesson, and no one will take the lesson, though, will they? Everyone will go out and say they run faster than Stewie in 1K reps. <laughs> yeah, I think that the big thing is as well, we're in kind of base phase as well, so it's more, um, we'll probably do more quicker or a bit of high-intensity stuff when the season starts, but at the moment we're kind of, yeah, just trying to piece more aerobic work together and try and minimise the risk of getting injured or um, have get sick or something go wrong in the, um, this early stage of the season as well, so... Um, we try and yeah keep a lid on training if we can. Um, we don't want to obviously overdo it this early in the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, sorry. On th- so Thursday, I got out for another thirty minutes, so I've probably about 
set just under 7K or on 7K um, there. Friday, I ran 60 minutes, so another 13 or 14K, depending. I'm not sure what pace I ran there, so I felt like I went pretty easy, so probably more towards the, the 13K mark. Um, and then Saturday, I did a fart leg, so I did four by 90 second, 60 second, 30 seconds with the same recovery. Um, so the 90 seconds, I had 90 between the set. Uh, 60 seconds, I had 60 seconds between the sets. Um, and also the reps, sorry. Um, and then 30 seconds. And then I had two minutes and did 20 more minutes of threshold um, work on top of that as well. So um, that was a decent little session, kind of building up a little bit of lactic um, during the, the fight leg. Um, and then obviously having that two minutes to kind of regroup. And then, yeah, ran decently solid, um, probably 305, approx 310 pace on the threshold after. Um, and the heart rate felt pretty good. So that was um, good signs that the, the training's kind of come along pretty well. Where did you do that session? So I did that around the lake. Oh, Albert Park. Yeah. So that yeah. was a, yeah, just a, not, got out nice and early and kind of smashed that out. Um, Stewie, and then, yes, how, how do you, 30 minutes in the Arvo as well on Saturday. So that was, yeah, 7K there. For those sessions, how do you find the ones where you get down to 30 seconds and then you only have 30 seconds like float recovery before then having to go into a longer rep? Is that where, does that, does that sting you? Yeah, I think it's hard. I think um, it's me- probably as much mentally hard as well because, um, yeah, I think anyone that knows those kind of – that 30-second recovery feels like you've pretty much stopped your watch and then you've looked down and it's already gone. So um, I think you've got to kind of finish that previous rep feeling like maybe you have another 5% there because if you're absolutely buried by the time you finish the rep and you, abs- you have that 30-second recovery or whatever and you- you're going into that 30-second recovery absolutely buried, there's no way you're getting up in that 30 seconds to try and hold together or run a pretty solid next rep as well. So you kind of got to got to manage that um that physical exertion um from each rep to make sure that you you're getting re- you you're, you're tired but you're still able to kind of pull up well and lift for the the next rep following that um that short recovery. So where are you up to Saturday Arvo? And then sorry uh yeah so the an Arvo on Saturday so it's a, just an easy 30 minute jog and then Sunday got out for an hour 45 in the morning. Um so a nice, easy, long run there. I think it was probably hour 45, might have run just under 23, uh, sorry, just under 24K, I think the loop is. So um, nothing too crazy there to um, kind of cap off a pretty solid week of training. Is hour 45 standard for you or do you get up to two hours? No, so I'll probably cap it at an hour 45. Um, and then during the season, it'll depend. Sometimes I run, yeah, up. I try and run at least 90 minutes, but I think between races, it gets a little bit harder to try and do an hour 45 when you're, you're trying to back up if you've got a race weekends as well um, and you're going into a long run a little bit tired, it's, um, you probably don't want to be hitting too many long hour 45 runs. So during base season, I'll try and do um, an hour 45 when I can fit it in as well. But yeah, I'll kind of cap it at, at that as the, the longest I'll do throughout the season. Good week. I reckon off the top of your head, you're in about 140K? Uh, yeah, I reckon maybe 100, 150. Yeah. Um, with warm-ups and stuff, it's probably, yeah, I think most weeks I'll do between 150, 160K, so um, a decent amount, but, yeah, nowhere near what some of the marathon guys and stuff have to smash out, so, um, yeah, not not too bad at all. And how do you document it? Do you write, do you just write it in a training diary? Um, so, yeah, I don't actually, luckily, um, Nick kind of has it all recorded or whatever, so he'll have an idea. Um, I kind of, yeah, won't, won't document it too much. Um, I don't really use Strava or anything. I don't think I've used it since 2014, so try and keep it nice and simple. Um, but I think 
the big thing is for me, I kind of you under you get to remember the sessions you've had, and um, I'll kind of know what level I was at, um, and kind of have an a relative idea. Um, I think throughout the years, you kind of get a good idea um, based on how you're going in sessions, what kind of shape you're in. Um, you don't really need. I don't really need to see any of the the, the times or the the exact things in my training to kind of know that I feel like I'm starting to get into shape or I feel like I'm starting to go pretty well. So, um, yeah, I won't really record it too much. You kind of just get a yeah, general idea of how training's progressing week by week. Very good. All right, Moose, you can follow Stewie's training week. Oh, great, yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I, I just had a double on Monday, so I, I got out and jogged around town, did some um, drills and strides for, like, the first time. In a, in a few months and that just felt super awkward like just have no type of pop or um, my ground contact time is so so long right now it's so sloppy so I think I need to do that more often uh, and then jogged in the Arvo and was pretty tired but I think it was kind of warm that day and just wasn't feeling it but got it done uh, next I was supposed to run the next morning but um I, I was super tired, so I, I I woke up later and drove to Ballarat and just went to work and and then I actually jumped in with Toby's session. So Toby's an old foe of yours, Stewie. Toby Mende. Yeah, he was. Um, so yeah, he um he was unbelievable with juniors. He was crazy good. I don't think uh, I might have been him once um, in for that thirteen to sixteen age group. So he was um, an absolute gun. So. Um, I think he took some time away um, from the sport, but I saw, I saw him running really well at Melbourne Marathon um, in December. So it's awesome to see him get back going because, yeah, he's a he's a hugely talented guy. So um, I'm sure he's um, he's going to have um, some big, big runs coming up. Yeah, he loves it too. He loves it. Like, obviously he went away, but now I'm just obsessed with it again. So um, he's coming off Melbourne. So we were both, we were both um, pretty unprepared to do some fast speed work, but we did it anyway. We did it uh, down the caretakers drive i think they call it in um in vic park so it's like one that links it's not one of the main roads it's one of the side roads and it's about 400 meters long yeah just wasn't (laughs) it was like it was like watching two old men kind of play reserves football or something like that's that's what that's what it felt like anyway just horrible he toby we, we did 10 of them I think most of them were around 51 seconds for me. I don't think I'd broke 50 for any. Toby was doing them in maybe like 49. Uh, but, but, yeah, we both complained a lot, laughed at how shit we were going. And and then jogged around the gardens for the, the cool down. Uh, next morning got up and was so sore from doing the speed work. It was like going to the gym for the first time in ages. You just – you're it's like you have like this greater extension of range with your you're running and you're stretching and loading muscles you haven't had that you haven't loaded in in months and and so i was really sore uh so we got out we just ran an hour around the lake just up and back watched carla do a time trial down there around the lake um yeah that headed home the next uh day and again had a flare-up flare up in my back so i think it was like i had to pack a ton of boxes and it's just bad lifting it's not like up and down lifting it's like side like 
uh, kind of twisting and lifting at the same time. I'm blaming the speed work, Moose. Yeah, look, it, this, <laughs> it, it was Tuesday during the day, driving on top of the twisting into the speed work. That was that was my big fall down, but yeah, I felt pretty average. Uh, so I just jogged once in the afternoon. It actually wasn't too bad. Um, it's better than I thought it was going to be. So then the next day, I got out. I did a long tempo mid-morning. Uh, so it wasn't that long, actually. It was like 40 minutes. Um, I just tried to keep my heart rate around 165 to 170, which is, is just probably a little bit underneath marathon heart rate. Uh, and I, I jumped in with, with Matt Gunther. He, he had three by seven minutes at threshold. So I did the first one with him. Took it out way too hard, and or after after you go out too hard in these things, it's just your heart rate just stays up. So yeah, I, I fucked it. Um. <laughs> you, needed, you needed us you on last week to talk about his uh, his tempos. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just it's hard to gauge. Like you feel so good at the start of the workout, don't you? And then it's hard to run. Like I thought we we're running three thirties. And then the first K says 310. I'm like, that's not a chance. That... So if I had to run 330s, the session would have gone a little better. But it was like a bit, it was a hillier tempo. So you cl- climbed up and I was just trying to make sure my heart rate didn't get too high on the hill. So I, some of the K splits were pretty slow, like 341. And uh, and then... But, you're probably, bit... but now knowing that you've got COVID, you're probably oh, on yeah. the verge of getting sick anyway, or you probably had it then. Exactly, yeah. So it was 330 k pace and heart rate was 169 average but uh that night yeah just the middle of the night i was just freezing cold shivering actually the first sign was when i got back in the car after this workout i i had like i was freezing and i thought it was because i was so wet from sweating and i was in the air con and i had like goosebumps all over me i was like had chills i thought oh no because because I knew Jimmy, he worked with me on Wednesday and he, he tested positive the day before on Thursday. So I'm like, shit, I've worked with Jimmy. He's been positive. I might get this thing. Yeah, just that night, just woke up and freezing cold and, and just I, I couldn't sleep all night and then had a real cracking headache and nausea from the headache. So I took myself out of the bungalow and... um and just shacked up out there and yeah uh i i actually walked the next day because i don't want to get back after having like seven days off running and and my legs my like my tendons my soft tissue and everything's just super stiff and and i don't want to lose that conditioning so i'm just going to walk on the treadmill for like half an hour a day just to um just to keep a little bit of loading there so i did that uh yesterday and that today as well where i actually woke up way shitter today like sore throat and um sore throat headache was worse super congested it's it, i thought i was coming all right but yeah today was a shit one so hopefully i, I ride this sort of roller coaster and then tomorrow's a good day hmm. at least you've got like assuming the body improves you've at least got some stuff that you can train on at home which a lot of people don't have that's right. Yeah, the tread the tread is great because it's in the garage, so it's still outdoors. And uh, I just I don't think it 
like I don't want to train through it when I'm not right. Mm. I think it's a real fucking mistake, and I'll, I'll talk about that later. But I just want to respect this sickness because a lot of people have had it, and it's, it's got worse when they've tried to push through. So, yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna just take it as a as a rest, as a warning sign. All right, I'll uh, whip through my week. It was another full week on the bike. Uh, so Monday, just 65 minutes. Uh, Tuesday, I did 65 minutes, including like a bit of 30-minute up-tempo. But I went at like 10.30 in the morning, and I think a class had just finished. So the temperature in a room after people have been exercising is just so much hotter than it normally is. So, um yeah, that was pretty tough. I think I sort of averaged for the 30-minute tempo, like mid-150s, um, probably got up into the low 160s. Uh, Wednesday, did 80 minutes, just low 130 heart rate. Uh, I took Thursday off, and then Friday, and this was probably a sign that I was getting sick as well. I was riding, I did 70 minutes, and my, my heart rate was 146 average. And like for the same sort of rides that I've been doing earlier in the week that were like low to mid 130s but i did like i felt okay but i just i didn't think much of it i'm like oh, that's a bit high saturday another 65 minutes and then um yesterday 95 minutes while watching a bit of the cricket um and then i got home and a bit like you moose i just started to get um like i started to sneeze started to get like hot cold chills um and then like i didn't sleep like i I literally got probably 90 minutes sleep last night because i'm just in bed just shaking um so then i went for a covid test this morning um and i'd actually made it so i was i was going to start running again but i just wanted to go to the physio and just get the all clear with my calf plus i don't think i'm i don't think i've mentioned on the podcast but the same week that my i had issues with my calf i was getting pain in the joint of my big toe um, and like I've hardly run in four weeks, but my toe is still giving me grief when it when it um, touches the ground or gets put in a certain position. So it's generally for me if my toe's sort of dorsiflexed um, and sort of then pushed pushed medially, I just get this really sharp pain in the in the joint of my big toe. Um, and, and in 2015, I had something similar. I went for scans and it showed like sesamoiditis, some tendonitis um something else in there ended up getting a cortisone and it fixed it straight away so um i had an appointment booked for this wednesday but now that i'm uh probably going to be covid um i have to isolate for the next week or so it looks like i probably won't get to the physio for a week so um yes that was my week seven hours 20 on the bike but hopefully my calf's feeling pretty good now but i just want to get the the all clear from the physio and um just get this big toe sorted out Sounds like you got arthritis, mate. Well, actually, so in 2015, when I got that scan, it had early onset osteoarthritis as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I guess at my age, this, these things happen. Um, yeah, and it's not it's not too big of a deal. No. You just need some stiffer shoes. Yeah, and when I noticed it, so a few days before my calf went on me, I was able to run. It was like, you know, early on in the run, I'd feel one or two steps where I'm like, oh, that hurts. But then it was fine after that. So, um, but still, I'd like to get on top of it before I start back running. Should ask Stewie. He was a um, podiatry student, weren't you, Stewie? Yeah, so I was for two years. Um, but yeah, obviously, haven't haven't done it for a while. So um, you'd be better to ask someone else. But I think always <laughs> it's good when you kind of feel that niggle to kind of um, take a step back and work out what's going on. I think any runner, you kind of end up 
you get you kind of learn a few things that you you if you're feeling pain you probably can't push through it as much as you'd hope then you kind of got to, got to kind of work out what's going on and then hopefully um work out a plan to stop it from happening or kind of um yeah limit limit the pain you're feeling um by not not trying to hammer through it which is probably the easiest thing to do um so yeah ex- experience wise i think um yeah i think that's a good call to kind of yeah. kind of ease off it um when you feel pain ori- originally and then kind of work out um work out the plan from there yeah there's nothing worse than taking a break and then starting back running and you're still not right like there's no there's no point in doing that so i'm better off just getting my body 100 percent and then starting from there um all right let's thank some patrons do you want to go first moose yeah i'm gonna thank jake beecroft he's from perth now jake has estimated best 23:33 for 5k 49 minute time trial on saturday he did it in 30 degrees after a late night 49 minutes he ran it's his first run in the alpha flies uh thoughts on the alphas Chewy? yeah i love them um I'll do, I'll do most of my training sessions in alphas. I think um, for for probably the bigger guys, um, I feel like you get a lot back when you're running in them. Um, and I normally pull up pretty well off training them as well. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely an alpha guy um, if I had to choose between them and the, the next percent. Me too. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan as well. Um, Jake has a two-hour half marathon, 2021 Fremantle half, or a Nike USA singlet. Interesting. Does a fair bit of cycling too, so thank you, Jake. Good one. I'll go next. I've got uh, Prayena Chan from Charlestown, which is a, um, a suburb up in Newcastle. Uh, it's got some pretty quick PBs, uh, 3K, 12.15, 5K, 21.08, which was um, RAO time trial, 10K, 44.25 at the recent Sydney Harbour 10K, and a half marathon PB of 1 hour 40, which she ran at the 2021 Port Macquarie um, half and her primary club on Strava is Runners One, so I think that's uh, that's Riley's and uh, Izzy Bat Doyle's um, club. So thank you for your support, Prayana. And who have you got, Stewie? So yeah, I've got a great Tassie man, Paul Reason, uh, who lives in Bell Reeve um, down in Tassie. So a pretty awesome place to to live for running down there. Um, so having a quick look at his profile, he's got. Um, a 5k PB um, of 80 minutes flat, um, a 10k PB of 38.55. Um, he ran a half marathon in 85.36 in uh, the yes, uh, sorry, in yesterday's Cabri half as well. So um, good moving down there yesterday um, for the half marathon. Um, he's run and he's run a 319 uh, marathon, which he did as a time trial down in Tassie. So I assume he'd have a fair bit quicker one um, when he gets in a, a marathon race, um, hopefully in the future. But uh, look at his pictures; he has a has a good selection of shoes and also some cool kits. He's got a, the blue and green Nike race kit um, and also the NN running singlet, which is um, a pretty cool kit to be rocking down in Tassie down there for pole. It's uh, it's cool that they sell that stuff now because I remember for a long time you couldn't buy the you couldn't buy the elite kit. Yeah, you you see a lot of guys rocking them now, um, and obviously it's a pretty big flex if you if you can be seen um, running around as well. So it's, it is cool that people can buy them because yeah, I think for a lot of years. They were pretty hard to find, and you'd get a lot of messages asking you if they can have yours. But um, unfortunately, <laughs> you only often get sent a couple of kits, so um, you kind of kind of hold on to them if you can. What's been uh, your, what, what's been your favourite, Stewie, over the years? Uh, I think my favourite's the yellow one I'm wearing at the moment. Um, it's so, good. Uh, just because I kind of feel like it is a bit of Aussie colours when I'm out there racing. So um, I like the yellow one I'm rocking at the moment personally. But other good kits, I, I did like the the old Nike. Um, kit when it was uh, that the, the purple Nike kit as well. That's probably 
the or the light blue one was pretty good as well a few years back. So light blue uh, luckily, one was, I think yeah. um, the, the Nike kits we normally have, yeah, pretty awesome kits each year, which is kind of cool. Um, getting out there and racing them each year. I hate the the blue green one. I just hate. I just can't. I don't know why. I, I can't stand it. I can't stand the pattern or something. And they've run it too long. Like surely you guys are due for a new one now. Well, Stewie, I mean, Stewie's got Stewie, his own now. Stewie's got a king one. Like no one else wears the yellow, do do they, Stewie? I don't think at the moment. So um, yeah, I, I like the yellow. It kind of stands out a bit, and obviously um, the Aussie colours as well. Um, it's nice when you're overseas racing and you're away from home. Very good. All right, well, thank you to those um, patrons for your support. And, um, yeah, imagine being Paul just listening to the Inside Running podcast and having Stuart McSwain give you a shout-out. <laughs> Hopefully that, uh, that nice. makes your day, Paul. Uh, all right, some running news. We've got three events we're going to cover. Uh, Moose, do you want to take us to Hobart? Yes, so the, the Cadbury Running Festival was held again. Uh, changed from Easter back to its normal slot in January. Um Starts and finishes at the Cadbury Chocolate Factory up on the hill in in Hobart. The, the marathon wasn't quite as deep as previous years. Uh, in the males, Wayne Spires won in 2.31.09. And then in the ladies, Rose Dingmans, Dingamance. She ran 3 hours 17.59. Uh, and then the half marathon, some bigger names in the half. Nick Earl won in 67.57. And then Millie Clark looks like she's tempoed that to run 79.35, pick up some cash. Uh, 10K, Aaron Harvey, 31 minutes. Alexandra Blake, 36.25. 5K, James Tunbridge, 15.27. Jessica Smith, 18.56. Um, so, yeah, maybe... Maybe, like, obviously, difficulties traveling at the moment, even flight cancellations, that kind of stuff, affecting um, affecting the, the fields down there. Yeah. Uh, I'll cover the event that happened here in Canberra. They had a 5K out at Stromlo, not on the cross-country course, but on the cycling crit track. Um, they had, you pretty much do it around a 1K loop, slightly different to last year. Um, there was a couple of, like, 180 turns, which they got rid of to try and make it a little bit faster. Uh, Jimmy Barker, past guest of the show. Um, Jimmy went, ran, or won it from gun to tape. He ran like 14.29 and he turns 45 in April. So that's pretty good going from Jimmy. Uh, Katie Pora won the women's in 17.05. And the last bit of running news, Stewie, um, Valencia 10K. Yes, obviously this week there was the the fast 10K on the road in Valencia. Um, Some pretty crazy times were run. So the women's 10K was won by Nora Gerudo from Kenya in 30.35. Caroline Grovdale in second from Norway, 30.38. Gladys Kepkuru from Kenya in 30.48 for third. So um, pretty quick time there for the girls. And then the men's was Daniel Mbanyo from Kenya, uh, so 26.58. Kim Dessa... Dente from Ethiopia, 27.10. And then Jacob Kiprop from Kenya, 27.23. So, um, yeah, obviously 26.58 is absolutely flying on the road there. So I think a lot early season, a lot of guys go to that Valencia 10K because I think it's obviously Valencia always has pretty amazing conditions for running. And I think it's a pretty fast course as well. So um, some good times all around there. Do you know many Stu- of those guys, Stewie? So I've raced the third guy. So Jacob Kiprop, a fair, uh, K-Rop, sorry, from Kenya, a fair bit. So he's one of the top Kenyan guys. And then I've raced them once um in a i think i raced him in 3k so 
Um, yeah, he's a pretty impressive athlete as well. And obviously, twenty six fifty eight um, in January on the road shows that he's um, yeah he's probably a guy to keep an eye on for um, the twenty twenty two season. Looked like he was sprinting, didn't he, Moose? The whole way, just like <laughs> flat out. Um, some guys make it look like like Chep, the guy doesn't look like he's sprinting, but running that pace. Um, same with Kipruto, but then this guy was like flat out balls to the wall for 26 minutes and 58 seconds. Mm. All right. Listener question. We don't really have a listener question, but we'll just go a bit more into a Q&A with Stewie. And um, I just want to get your thoughts, Stewie, about pro contracts and whether it would be good for the sport if they were made public like they are for the basketball, NFL, and rugby league. So it's almost like in these lucrative sports, it's almost a badge of honour that, you know, this guy's signed for three years on $3.2 million or whatever. But in pro running, it's always just hush-hush. And, like, would you, like, say, say the landscape changed and people's contracts were made public, would you have an issue with that? Yeah, obviously, I think it's a pretty interesting um, concept. I think, um, yeah, when you look at a lot of the sports, like even uh, AFL basketball, uh, sorry, NFL, there's kind of a good understanding of what contracts people are signing, um, especially with their clubs as well. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it is it is good in the sense that it kind of sets the standard of if you're playing at a certain level, um, you kind of have an idea of what your values at um, for the team um, financially as well. So, um, yeah, I think it's kind of a good idea. I think it's... It's probably not quite as easy to implement in track and field just because there's um, so many different types of events, so many athletes as well. But I think it's a yeah, it's a cool concept, and um, yeah, I think it it kind of helps set the standard of what people should be getting paid um, in these contracts. Um, and obviously, it's been shown through a lot of the American sports, um, even the Aussie sports and AFL now. Um, the benefit of having that and kind of having a having a minimum contract level as well to kind of um, kind of barter or argue what what the the minimum standard people at a certain level should be getting paid well i guess it often stops companies from lowballing athletes if people know what other people are getting and say hey why is why why are you only offering me this when this guy's getting that um like do you know like any of the other nike athletes that you come across on the pro tour do you know what their like what their contracts are worth um not really. I think it's obviously in track and field, it's hard as well because, like, obviously the, the value of people differs on countries you're from, what races you're in and stuff as well, I think. So, um, yeah, obviously I don't really know. I think a lot, a lot of the contracts as well, they're, um, they're probably not supposed to tell um, or they're, yeah, they've agreed to not, not say what they're on. Um, but I think at the end of the day, you kind of you kinda, um, are not real sure what, what other people getting paid or whatever, but... Um, yeah, it's an interesting concept. I'm, I'm not sure how, how it would go with track and field, but it would be cool, cool to look into. What do you think, Moose? Well, I'm not sure. Like, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in Stewie's position here thinking I don't really want it, everyone to know how much I get paid. Like, it's a little bit personal, a little bit awkward. Yeah, but like in other, in other major sports, especially the ones where people earn good money, it's, it's out there in the public. Yeah, but are, is it though? Like, the team, the team salaries out there but not like their um their relationship with brands Mm. so like stewie say if mtc paid stewie a wage then maybe like that would be out there or whatever but his relationship with nike i'm not i'm Mm. i'm pretty sure like say like uh like as an example let's not say lebron but like some of those um 
some of those deals that we see with 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 like as ambassadorships and and brand um, icons, like they're not necessarily out in the public, are they? Uh, I guess not. No, it's more. I guess just they're what they sign on for to play for their teams. Yeah. So I. Yeah. It's. Yeah. I. I don't know. Like I. I don't know whether if I was in that position that I'd be comfortable with people knowing how much I get paid. Well, I guess all like I'm. I'm also just thinking of it, the point of view where like everyone always hears that you know there's no money in track and field and like like we don't know like because no one ever hears what you know somebody like Stewie's on and so. Um, that then means that some of these younger athletes are going, well, I've been told that there's no money in track and field, so I'm going to go to AFL. Whereas if Why people... don't you ask him? What? Stewie. I don't want to know what he's on, but I'd imagine that somebody that's at Stewie's level is actually earning pretty good, pretty good money. Um, and, and would you know, young athletes would aspire to be you know, sort of earning that, but you know, it's never out in the public. So anyway, It is. It's, it's very much unknown. Like even if... if like, we're, we're we're involved in the sport a fair bit, Brad, and and we just don't really have any idea what's happening in in terms of like salaries and stuff and how how much people, we get. We know prize monies, yeah, and they're pretty low. Like they're t- tiny compared to other sports. Hmm. Uh, and I think there's just a massive variance, like in the sport between someone uh, like Kipchoge and his partnership deal. And then someone who gets free kit within Australia. Yeah. And there's just so much variance, it's difficult to know. Well, I remember asking, I think it might have been Jai about this. And it, like, because you obviously got the Diamond Leagues, and you'd know this, Stewie, like some athletes at Diamond Leagues would actually get appearance money to turn up to those Diamond Leagues as well as the prize money. Is that correct? Yeah, I think especially a lot of the, the massive names, like obviously Usain Bolt's in the past or whatever, um, would, do, would do pretty well, I think. Uh, for them, the prize money at Diamond Leagues probably isn't enough to kind of attract them to go to those kind of meets. So um, they've got to kind of entice them other ways to get the, the real big names to the meets. So um, I'm sure they're, they're looked after pretty well to make sure they're, they're coming to the event. Yeah. Um, and Stewie, speaking of money, your decision to run a half at the end of the season, was that um, largely financial or talk us the reason behind the half? Um, so one of, like, I'm kind of friendly with a few of the guys that, that run the event. Um, I kind of wasn't able to get a fly back to Australia immediately. I kind of had a week where I was going to stay in London, go go watch an EPL game and catch up with a few of my mates as well. So um, it kind of fitted the schedule. Um, I Obviously, I'd done no training, like not, no specific training for it. Um, I'd never been to Newcastle in the UK before, so I kind of actually wanted to go as well. So um, when I got asked if I wanted to do it, it was a pretty easy, um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to finish the season doing that. Um, I had no other races and I was going to have two week quarantine following the week in London, um, as well. So, um, yeah, I kind of just did it, did it more as a fun event than anything. Um, and yeah, re- really enjoyed it. Um, unfortunately I definitely hadn't done the training at that point. I was kind of my last legs of the season, but, um, it's definitely something I want to do in the future and kind of hopefully can knock out a, a bit better half than what I finished the season on last year. So for a guy that's running, um, two thirty kilometer pace for a three K, Talk us through how the half felt for you at different stages. Like first 10K, do you feel like you're just jogging? Yeah, so that was a problem. I went through, like, I obviously didn't go in with huge expectations. I think I raced a Diamond League final under 72 hours before, so I was pretty banged up um, and obviously had to fly in and get, get the train up to Newcastle as well. So, um, yeah, but I got through halfway um, and it was like, oh, I'm feeling easy. Like, what, what's this road running about? Like, this is easy as. Um, and then kind of <laughs> was feeling so good 
to about 14k and i'm like geez i'm gonna absolutely hammer this last 7k here like i'm gonna be unstoppable and then yeah by about 15k i was like oh my calf started getting banged up because i obviously had done no training on the road so my legs weren't used to the pounding um and at some points i was almost walking towards the end i literally was just cramping up that bad so <laughs> um yeah i definitely got caught out for not not preparing for it um obviously i um it wasn't a big focus until until i just tried to get up for the race but um yeah the last 7k was a nice um at least in track running, you, you kind of blow up and you can't go quicker. Your body doesn't too often let you down. Um, but, yeah, in the half, I was um, feeling every step that last 7K. So um, I think next time next time I do some uh, do a half, I kind of want to put in some more training and actually be ready to go for one and kind of have the, have the physical capability to ho- hopefully hold it together for the full full distance. Yeah. Uh, you got more questions, Moose? Uh, you, you're heading up to Falls Creek, Stewie? I am. So I'll head up on uh, Wednesday this week. So I'll, um, yeah, spend a little bit of time training up there and then, yeah, come back and um, hopefully catch the end of the Oz Open as well. So um, hopefully get a little bit of training done up there, maybe boost the fitness a little bit, um, just keep the routine going. And then um, it's great it's great this time of year being up there. The weather's always nice. It's a pretty awesome place to train. So um, we'll, we'll be a good period up there. And then, yeah, back to Melbourne and just keep training, training in the um, back in Melbourne for a few more weeks from there. Will we see you at Zatapec? Uh, I think it's probably a bit early, unfortunately. Um, I think it was such a long season last year. I was kind of, probably my preparation coming off it, I was a pretty mentally and physically tired by that point. So I kind of um, probably haven't hit my straps as much as I would have liked this time of year. But um, I think any runner, you kind of understand that um, you just got to get to a certain base level and kind of piece and train together. And I'll um, yeah, hopefully be getting the shape together pretty soon. Um, obviously, I did those carnivals in Tassie and they indicated I was in pretty reasonable shape for this time of year. So... Um, yeah, hopefully I can progress from this point in the season. Yeah, you're almost the first person to break four minutes at, uh, was it the Bernie one? I don't think anybody's broken four there, is that right? Yeah, so it was actually the fastest I've ever run at Bernie. Um, unfortunately, I finished 18th, so um, it was a pretty pretty tough handicapping gig. I think I went around 350 um, on the grass with the hill um, as well. So if I, if I had been able to run 350, I probably was in, uh, in world record shape. But those events are awesome fun, um, I think. They're good indicators just to show you how how your training's going along the way, and I think you get pretty. They get awesome crowds down there as well, so it's um yeah a different but awesome environment to race in. Yeah, we spoke about it last week how you're handicapped out of both of those miles, and like I watched both of them, and what I was really impressed with was it'd be very easy to get to a lap to go and look ahead and go, well, there's no way I'm going to catch these people. I'm going to jog it in, but you still you basically buried yourself regardless of you know coming 18th. Which I, you know, I suppose it sort of suits your style of running anyway. Yeah, I think obviously the crowd helps a lot as well when you're a long way back. You kind of, I think, in, especially in Bernie, I was, I only just caught my first person going into the bell lap, so um, you kind of hear the crowd cheering, and you're, you, you, you're there to put on a show as well. So um, I, I was giving it a hundred percent out there, even if it meant beating the the guy nineteenth down the straight or whatever. I was kind of, yeah, absolutely burned myself to try and get as close to the front as I can by the by the end of the fourth lap. Moose, is that your bird? Are you sleeping with the bird in the bungalow? <laughs> no, I just I just come out to get some fresh air. And, uh, <laughs> that time of night, we got a few different parrots around here. There'd be a there's 17 blokes that can come away this year and go. I beat Stewie between. A hundred percent. I think. Um, yeah, it's it is crazy, especially the how respectful people are when they beat you as well. Instead of claiming the win, they're like. Oh, I had a great handicap or whatever, but I think at the end of the day you're claiming a win. It doesn't matter yeah. if it's a race or a handicap. You kind of walk sure. away, um, claiming that you got a scout that day. So um, yeah, obviously I got beaten by. I think 
10 guys in Devonport and then another 17 in Burnie. So, um, yeah, obviously not great for the head-to-head count. Mm. And, off, <laughs> and, off, and off the back of that, um, Stewie, hats off to you. I believe it, there's a, been a, a scholarship set up there for like a Northwestern Tasmanian athlete and you, um, you auctioned off some of your, your Olympic kit. So, yeah, well mm-hmm. done for that. Yeah, so obviously we are kind of with one of my mates down there, Grant Penny. We kind of um, yeah had an option rate and raise some money um, to try and set up a little bit of a distance runner, um, next gen distance runner program to kind of help the next gen um, coming through the northwest um, coast of Tasmania. So hopefully we can see a uh, see some more great runners. We've got a great talent pool down there at the moment. So hopefully um, when I'm long retired, um, I get to see that the next gen absolutely smashing it on not only the national scene but hopefully the international scene as well how good is he moose hey i want to be like stewie mcswain when i uh, grow up man of the people yeah hey um has he have you bought any property on king island yet stewie for yourself i actually haven't unfortunately covid has uh, boosted the farming prices a lot so um yeah <laughs> when i'm back there i'm just at home train training on my old man's farm um so unfortunately I'll just have to claim claim his farm as um as, as mine at the moment, but um yeah, what what a place! It's um awesome to get back over Christmas, and I, I love getting back when I can. Um and yeah, it's just it is beautiful down there. So a great place for training, especially training on the farm. We've got a couple of good golf courses to train on down there as well. I've got a couple more just sort of quick questions. Um, when was the last injury you had where you had to take I don't know like more than a week off running? Um, I do get a lot of niggles, but I think I'm I'm definitely getting better at kind of reducing the amount of time I need to take off. Um, by kind of as you did with your injury, Brad. Um, kind of yeah, in working out that something's not right and kind of going a bit easy until it feels a bit better. Um, so I think yeah, I will. I think the worst, the bad, the last bad injury I had was 2019. I had a a really bad knee slash ITB. So that was playing up for a while, um, and then obviously in the past I've had had a fair few problems with a bit of uh, hamstring tendinopathy, and then I've had, uh, as most runners do, a few tendon issues with my Achilles as well. And did you train when you came back and had to quarantine? Did you take those two weeks completely off, or did you have a treadmill in your your room? So I had a treadmill for the second week, so I had the first week off, um, which was kind of good because I had to I had a lot of uni I had to catch up on, so I was kind of scrambling to. Um, to do that as well and then um as well um i also had a week off stuffing around with my mates in london so i already had had a week off then so i was kind of didn't didn't want to have three weeks off so i kind of organized a treadmill for the second week and started um doing a bit of jogging in there um which also also helps get you through you feel like you're actually doing some um physical each day which kind of kind of helps especially the the second week's probably the hardest of the quarantine because you kind of get close and feel like you're kind of counting down the eight nine ten to 14 days to go um, through. So, um, yeah, that kind of helped as well. Last one from me. Um, sort of, obviously, you're studying PE teaching, is that right? So, yeah, I'm, at the moment, I'm in my third life sub, uh, subject of being a secondary school physical education health teacher and also uh, an English teacher as well. So, uh, yeah, hopefully, if I pass my one subject this semester, I'll have two more subjects and I'll be a qualified teacher, which will be, um, yeah, kind of nice to tick that off. Have you done much prac yet? So, yeah, I did a I, – unfortunately, due to the Olympics, I kind of put placement on hold um, just because I felt like I, I wanted to really focus on this year and kind of not not put too much stress on completing uni. Um, so I kind of, yeah, didn't do as much this year. But I've done – yeah, I think I've done probably 12 weeks at a school. So I spent five weeks out of Dandenong High in Melbourne 
um, which was, uh, yeah, good fun. Um, obviously a pretty di- different school, but an awesome school down there as well. It was my first public school, so that was um, kind of nice as well. So I think I've got another 60 days of prac, so I'm hoping to tick them off next year. Yeah. And um, just for the listeners out there, like what are some of your passions outside of running? Like I know you're a massive St Kilda fan, but what other sort of things do you get up to when you're not running? Um, I think for me, yeah, obviously uni takes up a bit of time as well. But for me, I think I'm I'm just a huge nuffy, uh, sports nuffy. I kind of um, love, obviously love AFL. I'm, yeah, 20 year Saints member. Absolutely love the Saints. Um, if I can go to games, I'll um, try and go to as many as I can. And then obviously I, I love tennis um, and other sports as well. So I'll try and get to go watch tennis, cricket, um, a, as well. So that's that's probably my other passions. If I'm not if I'm not training or whatever, I kind of like stuffing around, watching, playing other sports, getting down to the basketball court, um, or, yeah, do, kind of doing stuff like that, kicking around the footy as well. Awesome. All right, Moose, your segment, Moose on the Loose, Purchase of the Week, Rules of Strava. Well, this one, I, I sort of have see, seen this recently, actually. The, the, the person on Strava who has to uh, show that they're running through their COVID diagnosis or through their sick period like i saw it the other day someone had posted that they went for like a it's like a 15k run or something on the treadmill and their like comments were heart rate was super high and felt like shit and all this stuff and in my head i'm like why the hell would you think that's a good idea to do like what what possible benefit would there be to running through having a, a virus like this like clearly you're not going to get fitter. It's not going to help you through like the recovery phase. Um, if anything, it's just going to put you back and dig a hole. Uh, and like this was a this this person was actually a coach. I'm like, this is a terrible example to be setting for your own athletes. If this is something that you think like they should be doing as well, it's it's like it's nothing tough about it. There's nothing hard or blue collar about running through sickness. You just you got to just put the ego aside for a little bit and just uh, be sick, <laughs> be sick without running. It's almost that addiction, though, that like if you know if they take days off, they're doing something wrong, and they're you know they're going to lose fitness, yeah. which is you know completely wrong. It's going to take them longer to get back. That that whole no days off thing is bullshit. Yeah, yep. it's a bullshit thing because there are days off, especially like when you are ill. And when having a day off is actually going to put you in a better position. So, yeah, that's – do you have a rule in your group, Stewie, about what when you when it's best to take a day off versus not? Like is, it a, is, there, is there sort of a culture around that or what's, what do you think? Um, yeah, I think it's probably, it's probably more individualised. Like um, I think, yeah, you kind of know your body better than anyone else. So um, for me, I always feel like if I'm – if something's wrong or I don't, I don't, I know something's not right. It's kind of, yeah, you probably at that level of experience where you kind of know something's not right and you kind of um, know that you, you need either adapt training um, to make it possible or kind of, yeah, um, minimise the risk of it turning into a worse sickness or a worse injury. If that means taking a day or missing a day or two here or there um, in the long run, I think obviously it doesn't hinder your fitness at all. Um, and if it can prevent um, having some, become more long-term, I think it's obviously better to always play it on the safe side. Mm. All right. No, you no, heard it. No purchases, Moose? Oh, uh, yeah, I did. I bought P2 masks. Yeah. Well, how much did, you <laughs> rap, how much did your rapid antigen test cost? 
No, well, I actually had it gifted. We, uh, my sister looked after me there. She went and got it from her employer who who had them ready for their staff. And so he was good enough to give us a couple because um, it was impossible to get one. Oh, it still is. You would know, right? Hmm. Have you looked? Have you looked for one? Oh, I went to the chemist the other day and yeah, saw the sign and said, we don't have them here. Oh, mate, it's just carnage, people trying to get them. So, yeah, I always got really lucky with my sister helping me out. And um, I had I used one positive and then Brie used one negative and and – and then I think she needs one more as a household contact to come out of isolation. Day. So at the moment, it's just finding people that are generous enough to, to give you one that, that have been lucky to find one. Mm. Yeah. All right. How's, so oh, One more for Stewie. Yep. How's, um, how's the COVID situation in the Melbourne Track Club, Stewie? Is it ripping through? Um, it's, it's hard to know just because everyone's been in different places. I think um, obviously it's a, a lot of people are going down or whatever as well. So... Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I think um, at some point everyone's going to get probably likely to get close to it or if not get it. So um, I think they'll just have to be adaptable with training and stuff to try and um, try and get over it um, and hopefully move through it on the other end. You haven't had it at all, Stewie, like over the last year? Um, nah, I've, I think we've been lucky to avoid it um, so far. I think you try and minimise the risk where you can, um, trying to yeah do the little things to avoid catching it. How's that, Moose? He, tra- he travels the world and we go nowhere and catch it. <laughs> Mate, I've literally hermit life in this house. I go to work, that's it. Yeah. And and Stewie's been to bloody Monaco and London, Newcastle, Tokyo, all over yeah. the world. Eugene. Local, local, local gyms, though, they're, they're a spreader for sure, I'd imagine. I don't think that's where I caught mine. So, yeah. uh, all right. What's um? I actually saw just before this show. I think Nick Willis had COVID a few weeks back. Um, yeah, I don't know if you saw that tweet, Moose. Everyone's yeah. It's it's so it's so pronounced right. Like it's everywhere. Mm. So it, you look at the NBA, right? These guys, the whole team goes down, but they're back playing the next week. That's what gives me like a bit of hope. Is is they'll they'll go they'll be out for like five to seven games. And then they come back like almost good as new, no problem. Some of them are coming back really strong. So it's, yeah, it's obviously um, you can come back. It's just probably got to be careful. And what do you got coming up, Moose? Just um, isolation till what? Saturday. Saturday? Yeah, Saturday I come out. Um, so 40K run Saturday afternoon. <laughs> nah, I, I don't know what I'll do. Uh, it'll depend how Bree tests on Friday. Because if she's positive, which is a good chance she could be, um, I'll have to probably do a fair bit with Pia. Yeah. Well, at least you get to get out of it. If she tests positive, you don't have to be in the bungalow anymore. I'm going to kick her into the bungalow. <laughs> Give me that king bed back. <laughs> and uh, what do you got coming up, Stewie? Off to Falls Wednesday. Um, yeah, Falls Creek Wednesday. And then, yeah, just back back to Melbourne. Hopefully catch a little bit of the Oz Open um, when I get back, which will be obviously be pretty cool. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of keep kicking away with training and then, um, work, work out the racing plan from there as well. No Team Stewie documentary in the works? Uh, unfortunately not. Um, probably not. Probably not quite cool enough or um, personable enough to have one, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I think obviously Jakob is lucky enough to have one, um, and I think they get, they get a fair few viewers as well. So, um, yeah, obviously it's pretty cool that he, he has one that um, he's gone for him. Yeah. How, I, um, reckon, how I reckon – no, no. Oh. I reckon you could get – I reckon you could get Nick – 
cameras on Nick all around, like following him. That would be actually quite a funny documentary. Yeah, I don't, I don't know whether he, he'd be the kind of guy that watched cameras <laughs> on the whole time. I think um, he kind of probably prefers flying under the radar. He's not not a, a guy for spotlight, but um, yeah, it would it would be cool. I think even watching the the Inca Britain one, it's cool just to. I've been lucky enough to catch a few of the episodes, the the English version, and it is cool just to see what's going on, um, their training group, and just yeah, how professional the guys are as well. Yeah. Uh, only other thing I want to mention is the long and the short of it series on Patreon. Episode two will be dropping on Wednesday night. Uh, it was a bit of a slow start last week, given a couple of them had well, one had COVID and one had to isolate due to COVID. But um, yeah. Jess this week should mention which marathon she's going to be training for. So, yeah, if you're interested in that, head over to Patreon. Um, that wraps up the show. Stewie, thank you so much. You've been absolutely amazing. Um, we appreciate you supporting the show and all the best for 2022. Uh, World Champs, Com Games, I know Australia will be right behind you and hopefully we can catch up with you between now and then just, just to get an update of where you're at. Awesome. Thanks for having me on, boys. It's been fun and good luck... Um for your upcoming running and races over 2022. I'm sure it's going to, um, yeah, hopefully we get a few more races domestically going ahead um, as well, and I'm sure it's going to be a, a big big year for you boys as well. Thank you, Stewie. See you, boys. Catch later. Yeah.